Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am here, and I'm not going to tell you my name just yet. I'm going to introduce everybody else first, because I'm not that important. First, we have here on my virtual left, Tim Elliott. Say hi, Tim. Hello, fellow cosmic beings. Ooh, cosmic. We're going cosmic today. Who else do we have here? John Hyatt. Hey, John, how's it going? I'm a wannabe Galactus Herald. Are you, are you wearing like a gold skin tight outfit? Yes, I am. You'll have to. You want to see it? No. Put, put it on Facebook for everybody else. <laughs> and yelling there back in the corner is the weatherman, Kirk Greenfield. Good morning, hey, guys. So uh, this is the follow-up to our first uh, what episode a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago of the last Galactus story. In our first chapter of that, we covered four cha- four chapters of uh, of the story that was uh, printed in Epic Illustrated. And today, Tim is going to bring us the last five chapters. And then we also, of course, have a synopsis of what Byrne planned to do, uh, both uh, initially and then later on. So uh, we've got uh, the, the, the end of the last Galactus story for you. And I'm excited about this. I've been, this is one of those stories that uh, I've, I've always wanted to, to see the end. At least we get to read about the end. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? I want to know what the end was too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, if, you know, they, they've said that Byrne has said that IDW approached him about possibly doing an artist edition of the last Galactus story and they would allow him to draw the final pages and end the story. So let's hope that maybe that comes about. Yeah, there's there's been a little talk about that. Nothing recent. And of course, you know, now with Byrne doing his X-Men Elsewhen uh, and having just finished Chapter 18 or Issue 18, uh, he's just cranking along like a, like a machine uh, in, in getting that story out. Well, with so, him, he has a he seems to have a, a, a better working relationship with IDW. So let's hope that may that you know that could something that could be developed and produced. Well, that so. was with Chris Rael as you know the boss man there. I mean, Chris Rael has been been referred to as the Burn Whisperer, the, the one guy that <laughs> that Burn can work with without you know you know ever getting his feathers ruffled. But it wasn't and, from what I read. I don't think it was Chris Rael that approached him about doing the artist's edition. So. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it's it's more likely we'll get that than we will get anything from elsewhere at yeah. Marvel. My point there was just that Chris Rael has left uh, IDW again. Are the characters Marvel Comics characters, Galactus, Nova, and what have you? And yeah, so they'd need Marvel's permission? They would need Marvel's permission, but uh, again, with the way the IDW does these things, uh, like the artist editions, artifact editions, and whatnot... They're able to get special. Uh, I, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, dispensation. Yeah, dispensation to, to do that. And no, uh, excuse me, guys, you, you keep talking amongst yourselves. I've got a dog scratching at my door here. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I I remember this coming out, and I remember fans being very frustrated that it didn't pay off, that it didn't come to an end. That in fact, Epic Illustrated folded. I hope I'm not spoiling this for for other people, but Epic ceased publication before the story that was serialized, trying to draw in more fans before the, it ended. So uh, it's always been kind of the unfinished symphony, uh, with with at least one chapter. Uh, or one note not finished. And you always think not that finished. if he had just started a couple issues earlier, earlier, that he might have been able to finish it. You know, if he had started uh, just uh, two issues back yeah. or something. But he he has said that does it bother him that he hasn't finished it? And he and he says with his work, he says no. He says he has some kind of a switch in his brain he can turn off so that he does. Because okay, that's happened too often. Yeah, I've done. I've, I'm not doing that anymore. I flip it off, and he doesn't seem to to doesn't seem to nag at him. So, I mean, I guess that's a healthy way to 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 work. But but we know that he does get these itches yeah. that he has to scratch. I mean, that's what Elswin is. It's the biggest itch of his career that you know reared up and got him to start drawing again. I mean, he stopped drawing for what four years. Wow. And you know he was doing the um, the Fumetti books for IDW. He wasn't drawing. But he was even still doing commissions, doing commission. wasn't he? Oh, he no, he stopped doing those too. He hasn't done commissions in several years now. I think since what 2014. So from um, his being able back then to switch it off was because of the way that uh, comics were done back then. You were pretty much contract for hire. You you really didn't have a lot of. I'm not gonna. I mean, it wasn't the creative investment that we have today where the, they're very much involved with the, the whole process. Back then, it was like, okay, you get, what, $50 a page or whatever. And he's like, okay, I'll draw this, draw this, draw this. Plus, he's working on four other books. <laughs> he's just like, oh, okay. They didn't want to finish it. All right, whatever. And then it just goes on. And, and it seems to be kind of evident because, um, you know, it's funny when I've read interviews with other artists you know, they always get asked, well, what were you thinking back then? How was that? And then they're like, it was a job. I mean, I got paid a page rate, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's like asking an actor today, you know, you know, back in Buffy episode season three, episode 14, you know, what, what were, were you, you thinking? Why, why did you say this? He's like, I, it was in the script. I don't know. I don't even remember the episode, you know. <laughs> so, it's, it sounds like in that, that Saturday Night Live skit with William Shatner. Yep when they're asking him all those questions and he's just like, it was just a TV show I did 15 years ago as a lark. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, needed, I needed to feed my kids. <laughs> right. It's like, so it's like... If, if you ask Peter David or uh, Harlan Ellison, you know, you know rest his soul, um, you know, th these kinds of questions, they'd actually probably provide you a very long drawn out answer. Mm -hmm. And you might not want to hear it. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that is that's changed to, to John's point of, uh, and maybe even the '90s or maybe late '80s when artists and writers were becoming a little more kind of superstar. Really, yeah. like it is now. But if you you know the '60s, the '50s, the '60s, the '70s, those are just blue collar guys that were just that's how they made their living by drawing stuff, right. and they were just cranking it out as best they could because, like you said, they had to keep you know food on the table. But right. Um, I think Burns the type like probably like most uh, 
even like writers, I think Stephen King's this way, that whether Stephen King was getting paid or not, he would write something because he can't help it. He has to be, he just has to be creative. I think Byrne is is doing something, whether he's getting paid or somebody's seeing it. I bet he's sketching or doodling or doing, even if it's doing um, more of the, the Photoshop stuff that he got so heavily into with uh, the Star Trek work, that he's doing something as a creative outlet. He can't just sit there and uh, watch TV. Could also be that Byrne, in his mind, had completed the storyline. He knew where it was going to go, as we may find out, and so it doesn't bother him. It's, it's true. In the back of his mind, it was finished, even though he may not have executed the last chapter. Or two. But we should get into it. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that we have to consider, you know, you're, you're talking about IDW putting out an artist edition of this. The, the one problem with that is that Terry Austin was the inker on this, meaning mm-hmm. that he's got half the pages. Mm-hmm. And Terry Austin has yet to release any of his pages for anybody to use for anything like this. That's why we're getting these artifact editions of the X-Men and the Avengers work where you're only getting parts of the uh, stories. You're not getting a full issue or anything like that because Terry's hanging on to it. That's his nest egg. That's his retirement. And, you know, regardless of whether you think that's smart or not, that's what he's doing. And so, you know, maybe he's going to be retiring sometime soon. I mean, he's in that same age range as Byrne and Perez and those other guys. So, you know, he's got to be in his late 60s, early 70s. And maybe he's considering that. But it hasn't happened as of yet. That's the one thing that would prevent this from being done, at least in the way that we've talked about. That being said, if they did republish the last Galactus story, I would like to see it recolored. Uh, completely. I, I think that uh, the look of it is is very, I don't want to say old school because it's not quite. I mean, it's the magazine portrayal that, that does it, but I think it needs to be colored differently. But that's just my opinion. It's I got kind of that. a watercolor look to it. That, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like that. I do too, and I wonder if they recolored it, if it would be a little too, if it would lose some of the, because some of these gradients that they've, the way that it's been inked and colored, I don't know if you could re if you could do that digitally, maybe, and it may be to see a little too kind of garish if you, if you, and a little too saturated yeah. if, you, if you colored it, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm of course thinking about today's coloring uh, methods that you might be able to do it in such a way that, that maintains this, but doesn't have that. I want to say almost whitewashed look to it. You, right. you know, as you look at the very first page of chapter five, you can see the sky it's it it's it's not a solid I, color that's not a it's solid almost block of color. sloppily done you know hey and back to the uh, artifact edition you know if if they really decided they wanted to do this and they were committed to it mm-hmm. and austin decided yeah no you can't have my pages <laughs> you know what screw austin put in some black and white line items in between on the pages he didn't have and just to make sure the story is complete is what I would think. Well, I mean, they like could, they did with essential, the essential. They can put the color pages in. That's the thing is they could put the color pages in if they wanted to. It's just that is what an artifact or an artisan or you know the edition does or what it's supposed to provide you versus one that actually provides the whole story. It would be something different. Well, you but could, they could. Go ahead. Well, so you could put in. And I don't, I don't own one of these. I know you have the X Men one. It's just basically, it's just the scanned 
penciled ink page, right? So you get to see yeah. the pencils. And, okay, so they they think that they've got half of Burns, put those in there. The others could be just the black and white scanned that they went to print with. So you wouldn't see That's the pencils. What I'm saying. Yeah, so like yeah. John said, so you would have, it'd be kind of complete, but it wouldn't be, it'd be something. I understand the concept of the artifact edition, but if you have an, an artist who's withholding pages for a reason, whatever their reasons are, and if we agree with them or not, it doesn't matter. But I'm like, you know, if, if you want to do something like specifically for this story, or if you want to have the complete stories, you know what? Work around them. They can do they can do line ink pages like they did for the essentials, um, and you know what? Fine, just that way that way you have a complete story. And then if they decide, yeah, I'll I'll release the pages. You know, once once the artist starts seeing that, okay, yeah, you know what? Fine, you keep your pages. We're still going to produce the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'll start coughing up because they're they're going to get less royalties or whatever i don't know and then it's like whatever i mean the no the original art pages are going to continue to go up in value so as time okay. goes on it's like real estate and, and and you know if they keep going up most people are not going to buy them anyway that's going to go to one person so having them in an artifact edition isn't going to lessen their value exactly I don't know. yeah that doesn't make sense you know it's like they're going to go up or they're not and you know, Austin's going to be able to retire on them or not. I don't know. Um, and, you know, having them in a, what are, what are they, 11 by 14 book is not going to affect whether or not somebody decides they want to buy that page that's for yeah, 15000 or not. Exactly. That's a, you know, to your point, John, you could reproduce them all day long and somebody still, he could still get his money's worth when he goes to sell those he'll probably turn them over to some kind of an auction house or something but i think he's not there's not gonna uh, and let's be honest that if this if they did produce this book i think the big selling point would be that it was finished i mean yeah it's it's burn and austin work it looks great but if he finishes the story that i think that's gonna be the drawing the, the big selling point point. Mm-hmm. and it's a complete story right right so you finally get to see what he was he was gonna do Oh. All right, we ready to get into yeah, chapter yeah. Five. the final last Galactus story. Okay, uh, I am going to uh, I've got the synopsis here, so I'm going to kind of give you a little some little extra information here. Uh, but before that, should we kind of give a quick rundown of the first half, or we should just rely on them of uh, listen to that episode and they're going to listen to this episode? Yeah, I, I, I think they, they can go back and, and if you know, if they're listening to this, they've gone and listened to the first one. Okay. They have listened to it recently. So okay. hopefully they're caught up. The thing that we know is Nova and Galactus noticed that there's something going on this destroying galaxies. He sent her off to the Milky Way. She went there. She ran into a robot named Shakespeare on the, you know, hundreds of millions of years later Earth, uh, the, the robot that speaks in iambic pentameter. And Galactus has come there, sees Earth, and says, well, all my old friends are dead, so I'm going to eat. <laughs> He's hungry. All right. As, uh, as we said, this, uh, these all took place in Epics Illustrated, uh, issues 26 through 34. And that's, uh, I'm going to be covering issues 30 through 34. Uh, our writer-artist is John Byrne. Our anchor is Terry Austin, except chapter 8 was Bob Wycheck. Our colorist is Glennis Ween. Our letter is Jim Novak. Uh, I've got editors is Archie Goodwin, Joe Duffy, uh, Lori Sutton, and Margaret uh, Margaret Clark. 
and our editor-in-chief is Jim Shooter. And from what I can tell, each issue cost $2.50, so it was a big pristine, it was kind of like a heavy metal, it was a big magazine style, which was, compared to other books that were out, when at that time, comics were a dollar, 75 cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, a, it was a big investment. Uh, okay, these are uh, notable works, or other works by Byrne, while he was doing The Last Galactic Story. Uh, Epic Illustrated 30, which came out in April 85, which is chapter 5. He also did Alpha Flight number 25 and 20, 24 and 25. He did the cover for Avengers 308. He did the cover for Rawhide Kid number 1. He did FF number 280. And he did the cover for Web of Spider-Man number 5. Uh, Illust- uh, Epic Illustrated number 31, which is June of 85, which is chapter 6. He did Alpha Flight 26, he did FF 282, he did the cover to Amazing Spider-Man 268, and he did the cover to Daredevil 223. Epic Illustrated number 32, which was August of 85, Chapter 7, he did FF 284, FF Annual number 19, which we've covered on this show. Uh, He did Hulk Annual number 14, he was writer, and he did the cover, but not the inside art. Marvel Graphic number 18, which is the She-Hulk, which we've also covered. Uh, he did a cover to Deluxe Ohatmu, or Official Handbook of the Marvel Universe number 1. And he did the cover uh, cover inks over Mike Mignola for Amazing Heroes number 76. Uh, Epic Illustrated number 33, which is October of 85, which is chapter 8. He did FF 286. Uh, cover pencils for Captain America 313. And he did Hulk 315, which I think is his first Hulk story. No, it's the second Hulk story, right? Which we've also just covered. He started at 315 there. Did he start at 315? Okay. 315 or 314? I think 314. See, now, now I am like <laughs> messed up there. Yeah. But anyway, we've covered the Hulk in this in our show before. Yes. And the final uh, epic illustrator number 34, which is December of 85, which is chapter 9, his final chapter. He did FF 288. Hulk 317, and he did the cover, as he did all the covers, for Deluxe Ohatmu number 5. So that's all the work he did outside of the uh, the five chapters that we did that we're fixing to cover now. All right, are we ready for a synopsis? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Go right ahead. Chapter 5, which is Epic Illustrated number 30, April 85, entitled The End of the Earth. We open on a peaceful field as Galactus and Nova look upon the Earth 100 million years in the future. The devourer of worlds notices much has changed, but that matters not. He is here to feed. Nova asks him if she can save the city she discovered earlier, see chapter 4. Galactus gives his blessing and she flies off to find the robot Shakespeare. The Herald feels the city might hold a key to the destroyed galaxies. Galactus raises his arms and the ground around him begins to smolder and then erupt with energy. He sinks into the planet as forces beyond our comprehension began to tear the Earth apart. The planet splits in two and is reduced to rubble. Galactus's hunger is satisfied. The city Nova saves floats among the debris. Galactus tells Nova the secret of the exploded galaxies lies at the core, at the, excuse me, the core of the Milky Way. The end. Chapter six, Epic Illustrated number thirty-one, June nineteen eighty-five. The hidden stars. We open on the ancient city, uh, the ancient Earth city, as Galactus and Nova marvel at its design. The structures are alien even to Nova and her master. 
The Herald remarks the human race must have changed much in 100 million years. Galactus, who is beyond evolution, is impressed by the power of nature. Two enter one of the buildings looking for answers. The structure allows them to pass through like a summer's breeze. The interior resembles a living organism. Nova senses a lingering energy, a long, sad song that touches Galactus. The, the soul-searching is interrupted when Galactus receives a signal from his ship. They have arrived at the hub of the Milky Way galaxy. The center is surrounded by a black nebula. Galactus must explore further. He leaves his ship so as not to disturb the energy surrounding the nebula. As he approaches the center, he encounters a vast tunnel, a tunnel composed completely of stars. To be continued. Chapter 7, Epic Illustrated number 32, August 85. Tunnel in the Sky. The open as Galactus travels down the tunnel of stars. The tunnel, straight as a beam of light, pierces the core of the galaxy. The stars have been arranged like beads on a string, a feat of stellar engineering even beyond the power of Galactus. He fears a sinister plot behind the, format, the formatting, the formatting, and the head, and heads to the center. He travels for more than a day until the end of the corridor. He finds an enormous structure. He encounters uh, planets moved into symmetrical alignment. He feels the power to accomplish such a feat is beyond even the gods. Still seeking answers. He plunges towards one of the planets. He impacts the ground and encounters a pair of natives. To be continued. Chapter 8, Epic Illustrated Number 33, October 1985. The Dweller in Darkness. We open in a primitive village on the same planet Galactus just crashed into. The aliens that Galactus encounter are the last in the last chapter rush in proclaiming they have seen the devourer has arrived. They are, they are scolded for being outside the compound with each other when our purple-clad giant approaches the village. The citizens panic as Galactus summons the All-Father of the Settlement. Galactus feels as the leader he might have any information about the Web of Stars. The All-Father tells of an ancient high-tech civilization that found their planet being moved to a new location. He explains, Their legend says the planet was moved to save it from the great hunger of Galactus. The architect, the architect of such a feat was the one who dwells in darkness. Galactus senses truth in these words and summons Nova to meet him at the galactic core. He warns her of danger. She penetrates the darkness and encounters a structure so large it staggers even her imagination. She encounters a vessel and the interior is so vast that she can travel at light speed and still not reach the end. Soon she realizes the construct is a vast, phased plasma engine, a rocket. As our Golden Herald travels to the center of the engine, she contemplates the beings capable of building such a structure. What could possibly power it? She soon discovers a black hole large enough to swaddle the entire center of the galaxy. To be continued. Chapter 9, Epic Illustrated Number 34, December 1985, The Face of the Foe. The open on Galactus trying to contact Nova. He senses a weak response from his Herald, and if possible, the viral world shows anger. He wills himself to travel faster than light, faster than thought, into the galactic core, into the darkness. He encounters the same cosmic-sized engine as Nova, dwarfing even Galactus. He never slows his pace and smashes through the outer wall, pays no notice to the technological wonders around him as he speeds to Nova. He finds his herald slumped on the floor, very weak. She tells her master she was taken unaware. This puzzles Galactus, who could attack Nova without her notice? A voice rings out from a being looking like a watcher. Has Galactus forgotten the face of the one who created him? 
to be continued. But it wasn't. The end. Wow. Thank you. That was really good. Oh, thank you. How many pages per chapter? Are they standard? Eight. Eight. I think chapter eight has more. I think it has maybe ten. It's the bigger of of the of all of them, I think, because that's they have more of a. But it's about yeah. It's I think it's all in all, it's forty pages, sixty pages, something like that. Okay, I'm ready for the tenth chapter. <laughs> Who's got it? Who's got I, it? I I actually have uh, two different endings that Byrne uh, talks about uh, from his from his website. Do you guys want me to go over those right now, or do you want to? talk about the book itself what we read so far no go ahead and talk about because we're kind of at the point where we should have an ending so why don't you tell us okay here we go <clears throat> at the virtual end of the universe galactus is confronted by a watcher the watcher turns out to be the same one who witnessed the birth of galactus in our universe the watcher not uatu was eventually driven mad by the accumulated guilt he feels for the acts of galactus He's been trying to move galaxies to somewhere Galactus cannot find them, but has been destroying them in the process. Galactus and the Watcher battle, a huge cosmic confrontation that stretches over centuries as the universe falls into near total entropy. Finally, to defeat the Watcher, Galactus sucks all the remaining energy of, out of the universe. Nothing is left but Galactus and his loyal herald Nova. Realizing at last what his purpose is, Galactus cracks the seal on his suit starts to remove his helmet, and in that instant, all the energy he has absorbed explodes out of him. He becomes the Big Bang of the next universe. And when the smoke clears, we see Nova has been reborn as that universe's Galactus. Ooh. All right. He then writes, Incidentally, back when I was first approached about Marvel's The End Project, I was asked to think about last issues for the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. One of the things that occurred to me was using this as a way to finally finish the, the last Galactus stories. It goes like this. One day out of a clear blue sky, literally, Nova falls into the heart of Manhattan. The FF go to investigate. They find her, and after a bit of trouble deciphering what she's saying, they realize that she has come from billions of years in the future. Reed's Universal Translator was having problems with her speech because she was speaking English, but English distorted by billions of years. Anyway, she finally tells them what's going on with Galactus and the Rogue Watcher, and the FF race off to use her captured version of Doctor Doom's time machine to speed to the future and to try to help Galactus. Reed, you see, being Reed, has already figured out what Galactus' purpose is in the scheme of things. Uh-oh! <laughs> Using Dr. Doom's time machine alerts the good doctor to what they're up to. And he goes after him. Pretty quickly, he figures out what's going on and realizes that this is the perfect opportunity to steal the power of Galactus for himself. The universe may die in the meanwhile. What cares he? So, of course, the FF end up battling Doom, who is doing all kinds of things to try to get Galactus's power, while Galactus is busy himself dealing with the Rogue Watcher. Finally, the good guys, which includes Galactus in this case, win. But Ben and Nova both die heroically in the process. Galactus wonders what it was all about, what it was all for. Reed tells him. Galactus understands. The FF, or what's left of them, start to head back to, their time, to the time machine with Doom as their prisoner. 
Galactus calls after them. Leave him. Moment of tension, but Reed agrees. The FF return to the present, and just as they wink out, they see Galactus open the seal in his armor and begin to release all of his stored energy. We are back on Earth in the present. They mourn Ben, but they resolve to continue the fight to fight the good fight in his honor. The Fantastic Four are no more, but the three shall fight on. Sue wonders what Galactus wanted Doom for. Cut to somewhere, someone else. Energy's royal. A universe is a borning. And at its heart, we see a great cosmic egg akin to the one that once gave birth to Galactus. It opens, and Galactus rises from its midst. But when he turns to us, we see he now has the face mask of Doom. Let mankind beware, for Doctor Doom has attained powers without limit. Like a certain other human we all know, Doom is about to learn that with great power must come great responsibility. That was uh, from February 15th, 2005. Nicely done. Which, uh, which would you prefer? The first one. I, yeah, I Same I way. I like that one. I think it fits with this story better. The, the second one felt feels more like a what if kind of thing, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. especially with Ben and Nova dying and you're like, mm, you know. So, yeah. Um, the first one just seems to be more solid. And that was his original intention. You know, uh, we're, we're seeing right now with Elswin how a creator has this tendency to go back and look at this stuff and keeps wanting to tinker and change like George Lucas. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Byrne is, is right now going back and tinkering and changing some of the pages that we've already seen to change some of the subplots that he felt weren't going the, the way he wanted them to. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to go ahead and see the original. You know, you can see the other ideas later, but uh, no, I wanted the original. I agree. I like so, the original. Besides, Although, I'd like to see the, uh, the secondary one drawn out as well. You, you got to think that maybe he had drawn some of this stuff and he's just been holding it all this time. I, I would have thought that he would have drawn something, but at what point did he get word and just say, okay, I'm done. And, you know, so the watcher is the last thing he drew and then he just stopped. Yeah. Well, yeah, as I said, because you think he'd be working ahead of time. So you think he'd have at least the pages for, or at least, you know, sketches or breakdowns. For the, maybe he yeah. does, he is, but he is, is not, he's not ready to show them. So I don't know. He may just, you know, if he had to finish, he may just dig those out instead of, but it's, it seems with his, with the, of course, if he's going to finish it in the FF, the end book, he has to incorporate the FF. And right. it, it sounds that a little. That changes everything. Yeah. Right. And, it's, and he That's has to deal. Story. Right. And you have to deal with the FF in present day and uh, in the far futures. And it and it, it's a little like, he's tr- almost like he's trying to redeem Doom. That Doom will, uh, you know, once he becomes. Galactus, or the next, like if, if he's called Galactus, iteration of it. Yeah, uh, he would be, he would be beyond. He would, but he'd be more like Doctor Manhattan. His his humanity would kind of be stripped away, and he'd be elevated so that he would, then he would be able to do some good. Of course, the amount of bad that Doom did in his lifetime does not compare to Galactus. So it's not like he has to uh, account for uh, some big cosmic. You know, he's done some pretty big things. I mean, he, then the, uh, in Secret Wars, did he steal Galactus' power or did he steal the Beyonders? 
Still the, the Beyonders. Beyonders. Still the Beyonders. Still the Beyonders power. And it's funny that you bring that up because that's exactly where my thoughts were going. Yep. In that, you know, it's like you saw Doom after he'd taken the Beyonders power and it, he took every moment, every bit of concentration on his part to keep all of his power in check. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what the way, of course, if you've read the Galactus origin story that, that Burn and, and um, I'm sorry, that, that uh, Kirby did. And I know there was some burn pages in that um, the last time, the, the one I say the last time, but when when they reprinted the Kirby story, they, they reprinted it with some burn pages. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, when the new universe was, when this universe was born, the 616, I'll say, and Galactus was, was born with it, it still took millions of years before he finally came out of his gestation chamber, you should say. Um, and the Watchers were already born. And uh, is it Essie or Essie? I don't know or, how that's pronounced. Essie. Uh, the, yeah, the, the Watcher that, that saw Doom, which says that he's responsible for him, um, you know, observed him, you know, coming into being there and watched that pod for quite a while, if I remember right. So, you know, it's going to, Doom will become the new, the next Galactus in the next, you know, universe, next iteration but you know he's going to have a long time to gestate and master his power before he'd actually be uh, put upon the universe. And what you would see would be something that you would not recognize as doom. And it would have mask. Well, and even the mask, because you know when he the it's first thing he did, the first thing he did when he stole the Beyonder's power was he restored his face, and he yeah. wasn't wearing a mask, so his kind of vanity was kind of coming through there, but. Uh, that's what's always bugged me about Galactus that he's he's first you know he's like the first being of this universe but he's he stays in that egg so long that other races you know the Watchers have evolved to their state so that and he's still so he's the first but he doesn't come out until other races so it's odd that he's the first but he's his birth is observed by somebody else uh, okay baby Yoda is, is a good example of this. You know, we, we've seen Baby Yoda on The Mandalorian where he's 50 years old and yet he still, you know, is much an infant. You know, he's probably, he's older than Din Djarin, but Din Djarin is basically the father to him. Well, uh, you know, because, that, yeah. So you look at Galactus. Yeah, Galactus was born with the universe, but it's taken him longer to evolve and to age to a point where he is ready to interact with the universe where everything else is, you know, most everything else is going on. It's, you know, it's gotten to that point, but you know, it took the watcher millions of years to evolve to the point where they were watchers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's a similar path just, you know, for him to become what he becomes utilizing as much power and having the needs he has is going to take a long time. Uh, now I, I can see that it makes sense to me. Well, yeah, I guess it does. I mean, it, it 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 puts somebody there to witness who he is. Because does, mm-hmm. does Galactus know when he when he emerges? And then I I haven't read that issue in forever. But doesn't he when he emerges? He then who cr- creates his armor to main to kind of contain his his power, or does he come out fully armored? I can't remember. No, his armor is created at some point. Yeah, because he, he has to. Image. Yeah, has to maintain all that. Excuse me. That's a bad outfit. Okay, Bresla, 
which which is odd that the Galactus is always portrayed as being either the most or one of the most powerful beings in the uh, in the universe. You know, part of the he's part of the kind of the tribunal with uh, uh, he balances eternity and death. So he's part of a you know he's got a you know Reed's always that's when Reed fought to save his life that he's part of a you know it's it's he's not a villain. He's part of a part of a balance, right? He he's he's a force of nature. He has to exist. There's a reason for this, um, and even I don't think Galactus even fully realizes. He just knows that he has to he has to feed, and he's you know he's he's a he's kind of he's like the uh, he's like the Dowd from the Star Trek episode, The Survivors. He's kind of beyond human ability to judge him because he's not. Uh, He's uh, he's not a villain, and I, I like him. He's portrayed as not being a bad guy. You know, he's uh, he does what he does because he has to do it. So it's uh, interesting that that he has to. And I also read, which I hadn't heard this, but it said he uh, part of his existence is also is that he keeps Abraxas at bay, which is the like the living embodiment of the destruction of the universe. So Galactus's presence keeps the. And this guy's also called the. The Dark Man, or the Man in Darkness, or something, and he keeps him from, I guess, destroying the universe. And also, they said that Galactus's existence also helps its uh, survival of the fittest. I guess it's he's kind of a test that, like on Earth, if uh, I guess a race can kind of thwart him, that that shows maybe they have the right to survive, and those that don't, you know, just become Galactus's lunch. Scroll snare. <laughs> well, you gotta deep. have your greens right. well, they're deep fried at least I've never liked the, the uh, interpretation of Galactus in the second and third times he shows up in the FF especially the third one where he's he's fighting or throwing a tantrum in the middle of an amusement park it's just at that point boy I knew the magic was over that, that the Lee Kirby era was long done by two years and I got out of comics at that point I just you know he should have appeared once and then been left alone or left on the shelf Fern did a wonderful job with him but there shouldn't have been any other visitations or, or reinterpretations of him you know if he is if he's the end of the world if he's the uh, the devourer and he shows up once then everybody can be terrified of him if he shows up Oh, it's uh, two years later. It's time for another Galactus visit. Yeah. Oh, um, you know. I did like in this story how he basically referred to Earth as like that, the the greatest of all low low hanging fruit. There, you know mm -hmm. that that the one that he really wanted more than any other, and then justified that when he did finally consume it, he's like, "Wow, this is great," <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, he really, really enjoyed it. You know, he basically, you know, it, it replenished him beyond what others would have done so that there is something, you know, else about Earth. And, and this is something that, you know, there's a couple things in this story that even in his, um, you know, how did it end? He doesn't explain. And that is, you know, the um, that that supposed city that Nova took out uh, from the Earth before Galactus fed. I, I felt those weren't actually buildings. I felt those were actually people, the evolved people. The that dome, were those, you know, really, I, yeah, I, those egg-like things that you know you, that when they went through them, you know, there was living something there. 
And it, it, of course, you know, had some sad song that it sang, but it was the remaining humanity, whether or not the, re the remaining humanity. It's never, yeah, it's never revealed. It's almost like a, a dangling plot thread that he put out there just so you can sit there and wonder about it. There, there is some of that throughout this whole story. There is some, like, uh, kind of a, a burn high concept that he doesn't explain and maybe he doesn't need to because it's, I, I, I felt it was like, if you've ever watched Forbidden Planet, when Dr. Morbius is talking about the Krell, he says, there's no description, I have no description of what these people look like, but you have to kind of infer what they were like by the structure around you, the doorways and the, the, the vices and things like that. So that's what this felt like, that, you know, we have no you know idea what humans had evolved to, but here's a structure that is some kind of almost like a living, I, I thought they're more like living buildings or some type of, a, like maybe they were grown and that because you would think that humanity would because it's the way it's in most sci-fi shows you know humanity once it reaches a certain level it's going to become kind of non-corporeal we're going to become kind of these energy beings something like the organians um so it just it just seems like this is just a curiosity that galactus kind of comes in they puzzle about it a little bit and then it's forgotten you know and he just leaves it so some of that there's a, there's some of this feels a little and I don't want to say filler, but it's just some, I think, concepts that Byrne had that he just wanted to throw in there that he doesn't feel he has to explain. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then, of course, you know, coming across that veritable um, all-you-can-eat buffet that the Watcher had uh, <laughs> prepared. <point>. Yeah. <laughs> of, of, of all those planets. Um, though that was supposed to save them or protect them or whatever. It sounded like the Watcher was pretty much very unbalanced, especially by the time Galactus got to him. He looked unbalanced. Well, I, some of it, and some of the scale of this didn't make sense to me because he, he you know, the, the story starts with he's finding these galaxies that were destroyed and they kind of lead up to, they go, he thinks it, it's, it's the next clue is at the, our galaxy, the Milky Way. So he goes to the Milky Way to wind up on Earth. And then he finds the tunnel of stars and he keeps talking about it going to the center of the galaxy. But I thought it should be the center of the universe because mm -hmm. wouldn't it be the center of the universe, not one galaxy? So I don't know if that's but, just me misinterpreting. But with Earth being what it was, it seems like the Milky Way itself is some kind of dominant galaxy amongst all the other galaxies. Like a nexus so or something? Yeah, it, it is the Nexus, and I, I bet you that if he'd been able to finish the story and he'd gotten to the true center, you would have seen Aunt May there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kidding. But, our, uh, no, yeah, but the, the golden oldie. But just that the Milky Way is the center <laughs> of this universe, the 616, the Marvel universe. And... Um, that that you know that that everything's you know either sprang from it or went to it in the end and also the, when galactus uh, galactus uh when he goes you know the end of this tunnel he finds this huge structure and it to me that felt a lot like viger you know when you think he's flying through yeah. this doesn't look like viger uh and all these planets that he's that have been arranged that are somehow artificially they're so close to each other that they're, you think the gravitational forces would destroy them. But well, they're... The, the text says that the gravity and everything that, that goes to each one is is modulated somehow so right. that so that they're protected. You know, um, 
the, it, golly, I think we ought to start looking page by page just to kind of, um, cause there's so much to cover and we might be able to better service right. the story. Jumping around. Talking about. Yeah. Cause I mean, again, you know, the, we were talking about the first page earlier and I felt that the, the coloring suffered a little bit, uh, just, just because of the way it was done back then. It, it reminds me of when Byrne does a, a, a commission and he's got a lot of black space and he uses a Sharpie to fill it all in. It doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, looking at that so-called city, it didn't make sense to me that, you know, and I'm looking at the, the second panel of the or the middle panel of that second page. You see them and it looked like eggs, you know, different shaped eggs all a clutch all together and so you know that said to me that wouldn't be buildings because buildings would have you know other things more serviceable more you know ways of, of doing things you know um and ways of branching out to each other these are something organic and so that's what led me to believe that maybe they were you know the actual life forms themselves and as you watch the story, you know, she saves it, of course, in Galactus feeds. And I love the fact that he didn't feel the need to bring in any machine. And you watch, of course, that he goes into the planet and just devours it. But he comes out of it and it's like he's like, ho-hum, let's go on to the next one. You remember when he ate the scroll throne world after he'd finished feasting, you know, he was like out. You know, <laughs> he was like out like like us on Thanksgiving afternoon, you know, just like, oh, God, I want to rest and watch the football game. <laughs> well, he but, seems he seems driven in this. So he, he, yeah. he needs to I don't know if he needs to, you know, if he just wants to feed in the earth because it's been denied him so long or he really needs to feed so that he can continue the quest because now he's you know, he says he thirsts for knowledge. And um, right, he's got a new edict or something in him. Yeah, he's got a, yeah. But I think that uh, the, the 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 two pages of of him sinking into the ground and the next where the uh, where the, the earth just kind of splits in two are that's just gorgeous artwork. Yeah, burn at his best and and just yeah, I and I love the I love the page where it shows the uh, the the remains that that Nova saved of the city. And Galactus coming to it. Uh, it's got that explosion power in the background, and there he is in shadow coming towards it. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful. And you know, this is the burn that we all, you know, look towards. I kind of wonder if if he had finished this and he has the epic battle with the Watcher, if if he had done like all splash pages for the whole that whole chapter with just them battling on a. On a in this huge cosmic level, I think that could have been something. Yeah. You know, looking at, at that page uh, where, where he's sitting there and then he points off and says at the core of the Milky Way galaxy, I finally get kind of an idea of what he was shooting for. He's going for a more of a, of a Mobius style in this. And we may have mentioned that in the last, last episode that we covered uh, the earlier chapters, but I definitely get more of a Mobius feel from this. And I know that he has a, a, a uh, that he likes Mobius's work, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, but it, it, you know, they they hint that Nova wants to save this city because she thinks 
it holds some type of clue and and unless it did in the final chapters we don't as of right now there's no clue it's just there's nothing uh that leads to the to the rest of the story so i don't know if he was going to tie that in or if that's just something that they're exploring well yeah. his original concept was the big bang everything gets destroyed it really kind of doesn't matter does it Unless that's going to be part of the seeds of the new universe for the new... Well, if Nova was the one to carry forward and become the new Galactus, there might have been some remnant of that. Yeah. And that, and that's, that, that, that would be, and, and, you know, again, something to, something to see on there. Also, we, we have no idea how long it takes for all these events that we're seeing. I mean, remember, they're traveling billions of uh light years in distance as they're doing all this stuff traveling faster than light but uh, you know they may be doing that but they're still going amongst immense structures and immense spans of distances we have no long no idea how long it takes you know from the time that she that they leave that city to the time of the the next big bang it could be a week or it could be another million years True. I mean, time doesn't seem, they don't have a, for these two, time doesn't have the same meaning to us. So it could be, you know, decades all this is taking place. It, 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 if you just read it, it seems like this takes place in just a couple of days. But, yeah. But Nova makes the comment, though, as she's going through it, she goes, it's like the insides of a living thing. The air itself seems almost alive and singing. And Galactus says, I sense it too, my herald, uh, a long, sad song, a hymn to the departed souls that once dwelt within the city. So it's, that seems. So she calls it a city. Yeah, that seems mm-hmm. more not the, the the structures or the are the or sentient or beings, but maybe the whoever lived there and left had maybe maybe more of a symbiotic relationship with their dwelling, so that they kind of they echo the humans or whatever that lived here that's gone. So that there, that's this kind of song that um, I mean, that's just burn kind of waxing poetically, but yeah, and, um, and it, I think it, it's nice that he doesn't explain it. It's, it just gives you something to think about. Yeah, right. not everything needs uh, explaining sometimes, does it? No. <laughs> now we're in chapter six right now, the hidden stars, and the third, no, Great fourth splash. page. Sorry, the the fourth page on there has got Galactus standing on. I guess I'm not sure what that is he's standing on, but you notice how it looks almost like uh, when you saw Empire Strikes Back or Star Wars and the Tie Fighters that go by, you see the shapes around them when you originally saw mm-hmm. them. I mean, they've been CG'd out now, but you can see them in the in like your videotapes and whatnot. And Galactus has kind of like this aura about him. It's like a mat, looks it's, like it's like a mat line, yeah. Yeah, Matt line or something. And it's not just there. It's on um, a, the later page where he is before he goes into what I call the Tempest screen, because it looks like the video game Tempest. And I just <laughs> want to spin around and start shooting those dots. I never made that connection, but you're exactly right. <laughs> it's exactly like Tempest. Well, I've got I've got a Tempest machine in the other room that I've been playing a lot lately. <laughs> oh, a full size arcade? No, no, it's one of those arcade one It's actually got 10 games on it. So it's got Tempest, it's got Lunar Lander and Asteroids and a bunch of other games. Crystal Castles and 
centipede, millipede. <clears throat> that just looks like whoever painted the paint, they, they, they painted his form pink. Looks like they just weren't too care- worried about staying in the lines, and for some reason that showed over the black. Yeah, and I think it's just the way that they were able, the way that they had to work with the black, the straight black versus the black with stars, because black with stars, they're able to draw him in there and not have a whole lot of outline. Yeah. But on just the black itself, when it was a single color, there's trouble. Uh, again, the, the the panel before that, where you see Galactus in black, but you see him full color, but some black lines across him, there's no trouble there again. It's just uh, those odd ones. Really weird. But the, uh, the Tempest pages, though, those are... Well, actually, the, the second one reminds me more of Star Trek The Motion Picture or uh, or uh, Blade Runner. Where Galactus is there at the center and you've got the thing behind it. Oh, and it looks the... more like a flat structure than, rather than a tube that he's going down through. And this doesn't look... I don't think... I, mean, I think these are all hand-drawn. I don't think Byrne did any type of... I mean, now it would, it would probably just be all computer-generated. Just drop it in and, and put Galactus on top of it. But this looks like this is actually hand-drawn. Because not all the spheres are the same. They're not perfect circles. Yeah, I'd have to ask him about that. I'm, I'm really curious about certain things with the, with the way he did this. Um, and the like like the, uh, the, the planets in what I call the smorgasbord... Um, I don't know if he hand drew that. I think that part of that, at least part of that was done with a CAD machine, a CAD program. That is, I think he could have done those with a CAD program too. Yeah. But they don't look so precise that it was done as like vectors or as um, like a CAD machine because it looks, because not all, like I said, all, all the circles are perfect. In other words, they'd be perfect circles and they're not. Yeah, John and Kirk, you guys are being real quiet. Do you see, like, hidden patterns in this? Have you been hypnotized or something? <laughs> uh, the uh, the orderly arrangement of the stars in the tunnel, you know, I was really tempted to, to quote a line from 2001, it's full of stars. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I remember not buying this as it came out, but flipping through it on the newsstand, not catching every installment, but the couple that I did, I was impressed that it was building something, but you know, I did I didn't get to that. Uh, well, I never. I, guess, I, I don't know if I got to the end or not. I never understood what the purpose of the because, and this is also kind of confusing me. That it seems that when he approaches the this structure that has all the planets around it, that's in the center of this tube of stars, and then when he calls Nova and she shows up, she doesn't seem to be in the same place. And then he seems to be, then when he Somewhere hears, right, when he hears her, her, you know, he calls her and can, and, and kind of senses a weak signal from her. He seems like he's outside the, the blackness again, but he, he penetrated the blackness. So I thought they were in the same spot because she called, she, he called her to him. And it's like she got lost and went somewhere else. So that kind of confused me because it seemed to be, uh, like V'ger, it seems to be you can get a clear idea of what what the size of this um, structure was because she calls it a, uh, and I'm getting ahead of myself, you know, she calls it a rocket engine. What does it look like? Well, it's it's miles long with a with a maw that could swallow a dozen starships. Well, what is it? 
An alien ship, or is it alive, or is it both, or neither? I don't know. See, yeah. Kirk, see, Kirk, all you need is a couple of million stars, and you can have a rocket engine like that, too. There you go. I thought maybe the reference to engine was, and it was just waiting for Galactus to be the power source. That, that it, it's pulling him in, and that this huge engine was going to feed off him to go to whatever the payload So, was. So were all those planets the fuel? I have no idea. But that's how that would work, isn't it? Well, <laughs> no, I, I thought Galactus was going to be the fuel. Well, is it? A, do you think it's a? Because uh, I've, you know, I've heard that that the Watcher has created this trap to lure Galactus in, or is he simply trying to hide all of these? You know, the idea is he's hiding these planets and systems from Galactus because he feels the guilt over, I guess, not stopping Galactus when he first emerged. So is it a trap, or is he simply yeah. hiding these things and Galactus found it? I thought it was a trap, and that it's going to transport these worlds to whatever is beyond, to whatever, you know, the start again, next. or the other, yeah, whatever comes next. At least that's, you know, I don't know what Byrne was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he says, you know, what he thinks the, the ending would be, but I think there's a lot of story that goes there in between, especially with what we saw in this there's so many little side things and little bits and pieces that you could take and turn into anything you know the the actual purpose of this smorgasbord or you know the 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 purpose of shakespeare the purpose of this planet of the the this race of uh burn aliens because that's that's they are typified as uh, i mean they're typical burn aliens mm -hmm. you know the uh triangular organic shapes that they come in um especially the 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 leader the tribal leader it, it looks like someone we've seen before a few times in in burns work well they they seem to be there strictly for exposition because they yeah. are kind of there just to give and I, I thought about that too why did they they seem to know of they don't call him Galactus, but they seem to know of a kind of a, a, a devour a devour of worlds, much like uh, the rest of the, the universe seems to know of Galactus. So, you know, the scrolls know about him. There's, you know, there's uh, maybe, and I was thinking, well, nobody on, nobody on Earth seemed to know of Galactus, but is it because he appears to each race as their own kind of version of uh, the boogeyman? The boogeyman. So is he, you know, we think like, oh, people on Earth don't know about Galactus until he showed up. But would he actually represent, you know, the biblical idea of the end of the world? Is that, you know, so he's that myth as opposed to us thinking that other planets seem to know him as this cosmic entity that shows up and eats your world. Well, if, if I remember right, and, and again, you know, my, my I didn't read all these books but, you know, once through a long time ago is that after Galactus was gone the first time, most people just kind of chalked it up to like mass hallucination and stuff. They didn't want to believe in it. So they put it out of their mind. Whereas people like the Fantastic Four is at the forefront of their of yeah. their thoughts. And so they're not going to let that go as easily. But, yeah, you know, of course, Jameson called it a hoax. Yeah, Jameson <laughs> calls it a hoax. And, other, you know, it's like. People have a tendency to believe what they want to, as we're seeing a lot lately. So you're asking if uh, we shouldn't be seeing, seeing him, him as Galactus. We should be seeing as him through the eyes of these him. other people. 
yeah, shouldn't we see him differently? But again, this is Byrne drawing, and he's you know do, drawing it for us. So right, right. We I see think that yeah, that would confuse people. Yeah, he's like, wait a minute, why does yeah. he look like? Why does he look? I look like whatever he would look the like. Aliens. I really like Nova's posture when she's sitting on the on the rock there, and you know Galactus is calling to her. It's a very human uh, female posture. I've seen that, you know, in mm-hmm. other other people she's before. Kind of swinging you know, her, so. She's kind of swinging her legs and just yeah, yeah. Here she is, hundreds of billions of years old, and yet she still has these moments. That's okay. Well, I, I brought that up in our other show that I I wish he had he had kind of got her to this point gradually. She seemed like she talks about how when she first goes back to Earth that uh, you know it's changed much, and we you know she's kind of she feels like maybe she has lost her humanity, and I. I, I kind of wish she had been more surfer-like in the beginning of this story, so she was cold and disconnected and unemotional because it's been a hundred million years, and she probably hasn't had any contact with humans or maybe any sentient person, uh, and then slowly kind of revert back to because sometimes she talks just like Frankie Ray, you know, she has more of a kind of a colloquial type uh, way she says stuff when she says "Can it Shakespeare?" Uh, when he's waxing yeah. poetically, so I thought. It would be nice if she had slowly kind of gained her humanity yeah, back, which then, at the end, if she became Galactus, which I like that idea, then she would probably lose it again because then she would be, you know, even as, as vastly comic, as powerful as she is now, she would be infinitely more powerful as um, uh, Galactus. Would they call her Galactus or would, they, would, would she have more of a female name like... Um, Galactica, maybe? Galactica. I like that. Galatea. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about the structure? Uh, and and Beedra has been used to describe uh, describe it, but it's supposed to be an actual rocket engine. Is that, that how she? Yeah, she says it's a phase. That's what that does. A phase plasma uh, engine. But to what end? What was it? Um, and she says, "What could be the power source?" And I guess the black hole is the power source, but. Is the watcher going to move all this stuff, or is he having to constantly kind of move if it? Or if it's a phase plasma engine, it's basically going to expel exhaust in one direction, propelling it to another direction. Gas. Gas, Captain. Under impulse power, she expends fuel like any other vessel. We call it plasma, but whatever the Klingon designation, it is merely ionized gas. Well, what about all of that equipment we're carrying to catalog gaseous anomalies? Well, the thing's got to have a tailpipe. Right. So I don't so, know what he what he was. And, and again, it goes back to was the Watcher. If it's a trap, did the Watcher want to lure Galactus here so he could, you know, I guess, kill him or destroy him? And in the but he had to know in the process that would destroy the universe. But maybe he thought, well, if I can trigger Galactus to explode again, but not in the new universe, not create a Galactus, then that will, the new universe won't have this devourer. But having all these people, all these people on these planets there with him pretty much guarantees that if this device or this rocket were to launch at the end of the universe, that one of those life forms would be the next Galactus. I mean, that's right. just the way that it rolls. Right. And to your point, maybe the, his the Watcher lost his mind. You know, is he? 
And, uh, and then this all goes back to the origin of Galactus himself. He was, uh, what was his name? Galen. Uh, Galen, that's right. In the previous universe, he was one of the scientists that saw things were falling apart, knew what was going to happen. They all get into a spaceship and they go out there just as the universe goes through its final bits of entropy. And then he, or everything gels around him and he becomes Galactus moving into the new universe and going into its you know, gestation chamber. So that, that it's expected that something or someone would be the next Galactus, just like he was. Right. If, if, if uh, you know, if all these other entities like death and eternity are created every time, then, you know, whatever the, you know, the cosmic force or whatever the, because he's, they say he's, he's merged with the sentient sentient essence of the universe or something like that merges with Galen and that's when he becomes Galactus. So yeah, to your point, uh, or, you know, if the watcher is just, you know, he's just nuts and it has, because Nova says to herself and she has a, a bit where she's talking about who could have built this thing. And she kind of talks about slave labor and that kind of, I thought that was kind of, was a little odd for Byrne to put in there that she, you know, she said, who could have possibly created this massive structure and she compares it to the uh, the pyramids of pyramids that you know they built that with slave labor, not caring who they killed. And she's thinking, well, surely anybody who could create such a technological structure like this has to be benign. They would, but but it had to also taken million or billions of star systems to build this. So is the Watcher destroying planets like Galactus to build this engine to stop Galactus from destroying planets? So a little uh circular yeah well it, it's insanity look at that that last image the very last image on the last page splash page and it's of that watcher and he looks nuts yeah. and also like you said a few too many donuts <laughs> but i know he is definitely you know insane but even his outfit you know being that kind of kirby design looks like uh an airsets galactus outfit. Yeah, it looks a little galactus like right yeah. So I mean this is this is you know the the monitor versus the anti-monitor Galactus versus the anti-Galactus uh and you know both are going to basically consume things that they that you know to, in order to get to where they are you know both of the ends justify the means. Is the monitor kind of DC's version of Galactus? Or the anti-monitor or, or... Are there two of them? I hadn't thought of that. I had not thought of that parallel until just this moment. So I, I you know, it's. I, I don't think so. I think it was yeah. just. Because it was never part of it. It just was written for the big event that they were trying to create at that time. Right. But this so is a yin and yang. It, it is a yin and yang here. But, you know, in, in the end, you see that both of them uh, are doing the same things. They're, you know, it's. Both of, both of them are doing just as bad to for for the the, the common good, so to speak. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I see this as a all elaborate setup by the Watcher to set a trap for Galactus. I think Galactus kind of just stumbled across it. The, the Watcher was saving these planets, kind of like kind of like Brainiac when Brainiac would keep cities from the planets he destroyed. <laughs> You know, um, here the Watcher is collecting all these planets, thinking he's saving them from Galactus. Yeah, mm -hmm. but his his trail of breadcrumbs was just, you know, incredibly huge and easily followed. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. Okay, I I just don't see that it was a 
trap and it doesn't sound like in the end that it was going to be revealed that it was some ha I got you Galactus uh, I, I can't agree with John I, didn't, I never thought got the sense that it was a trap but that he knew that he'd run into him eventually that he would find it right I don't think you could hide something like this big from Galactus that this thing is billions of miles large or however big this thing I mean but doesn't Galactus himself have a solar system sized ship yeah so I don't know how he's big... got the ball ship, and then he's got the Infinis ship. You know, yeah. the one that's shaped like a Mobius loop. Yeah, and that's the inf- and... that's the, the the solar system size. Which I don't I don't know how how big is our solar system? Is it billions of miles? So I mean, I, he seems to be be amazed at the size of this thing. I thought, well, you've got a ship that's close to that size. I hmm. think uh, our solar system is one AU. No, one AU is the distance between the Earth and the Sun. Right, many million miles. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, you know, it's it's uh, bring bring bringing everything together. Basically, this is this is as I used to refer to as a toilet bowl story, where everything is circling around and around as the story goes on, and then finally it it all gets pulled to the center in a kind of a black hole, and we're just seeing where that went. But it, you know, the the motivations of certain characters, you know, got me wondering you know if you're at the end of the universe why save anything and what really is the watcher trying to do it, it just has to be has to have gone insane because his motivations don't make a lot of sense but then again he is a being for which we're not to reason unto you know these these near all powerful beings who have thoughts and ideas that are beyond anything that we could possibly fathom. That's the the best explanation I could possibly come up with. Well, I thought the Watchers themselves, when you first, when they, you know, in the first Galactus story that uh, in FF forty eight, he he kind of knows what Galactus's purpose is, but if that's the case, he still gives the FF the way to. You know, the means to uh, stop Galactus, not destroy him, but they prevent him f- from destroying the Earth. So if the Watcher feels that Galactus has a purpose and it should be kind of a not-interference directive here, he still stops, uh, he still keeps the Earth safe from Galactus. Thinking, I guess you mm-hmm. could go off and, you know, eat, you know, many other worlds. But So I don't know if, if the Watchers feel that, you know, if, if, he, if, if he felt that that Galactus had a purpose and shouldn't be interfered with, then maybe you're right, Brian. He has gone nuts because he he feels the guilt of. Uh, he saved not, one planet. Why not save many? Right. He didn't. You know. He could. Yeah. I guess he could have prevented Galactus from. Uh, you know, it's like the killing of Hitler thing. You know. You know. I could have. <laughs> I could have. Uh, I could have stopped him when I had the chance, and I didn't. So now I feel guilty over it. But. Well, hmm. it, it's pretty clear from FF40. 48, 49, the first appearance, the Watcher is trying to protect the Earth. It's his favorite planet. He's grown affectionate of the FF. And so he sends one of the FF while the the stall um, strategy is being conducted to try to, to slow up Galactus. He sends Johnny off to wherever to get the ultimate nullifier, which was nothing more than a MacGuffin. So, gee, Reed has it, it's in his hands, and it's, you know, uh, don't these people have the right to self-determination and to to uh, survive? 
and he checkmates Galactus. Not supposed to interfere, but he did because it's his pet planet. He yeah. likes her. Well, so I mean, this is his job. It, it's his it, job. And, and empirically, watch, he's sitting there, he's sitting there going, right, but it, it, <clears throat> if the planet goes away, he's without a job. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, so it's job security? Know, yeah, it's job security. That's that's all that but is. Doesn't, but, no, the, I mean, doesn't the Earth also... Um, doesn't it harbor a, a celestial? Isn't it the egg for a celestial or something? Didn't they they come up with? It, it's like there's a more there's a there's a the Earth is going to play an important part. Those were eggs for celestials. Think about that. The the the, 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 the city. What, what if those were eggs for celestials? Could be. This is all cosmic theory that that other artists and creators have brought on and grafted on. There was no big scheme or big plan after the you know with the original appearance of galactus it's all been modified by other people down the road so you know trying but to make even, it all even the fit, first like time we saw the watcher appearance. yeah but you the know? first time we saw the watcher didn't the watcher say that galactus has a a, a a part in the greater scheme of the universe that galactus is inevitable in the uh, in the very first story in 48 you're saying no 48 <laughs> Yeah, 48, 49? Yeah. Because he's helping them in 48, and then Galactus arrives at the end, and then they have their face-to-face meeting at the beginning of 49. He may have. I don't have it memorized, but it, it seems like there's a reverence or a respect that he's afraid of Galactus in, in the first one, and then he's his equal in the second, and then he's checkmated him and in the third. Yeah, because even in this, the uh, Galactus says that what is being built is even beyond his power. Yet the Watcher has been able to create this massive engine and, and, and this, and this, and this stellar uh, uh, engineering to move these stars and planets in line. So he's, I don't know if he's tapping into some kind of super science or something, but he's doing something that even Galactus doesn't seem to be able to do. And I always thought the Watcher was not... I think the Watcher's power kind of varies depending on who's writing. Sometimes they're yeah. kind of all-seeing, all-powerful, and they're more godlike. And sometimes they're just uh, a super advanced race of beings. Well, how do you guys want to wrap this up, the conversation here? I mean, I, I think that we've we've talked about the theoretical enough that um, I, I, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. But, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, having read this and reading what Bernard planned, um, was this all that in a bag of chips? What is this? I mean, is this story? I mean, again, this story is like the end all be all of the Marvel Universe. Is is it, though, the end all be all the Marvel Universe or is it just a story? It's just a story. Yeah, for me, you know, I like the story. I think it's good. I like the artwork. It was great to see. I mean, I like the concept of it. Um, I like that it's so far removed from everything else. It just kind of focuses on Nova and Galactus. And I, I would really like to see the end. Um, I, I wish we could have got, I, or I hope we can get the end as he was as he was would have done it back then, instead of now, 40 years later where he's trying to reconstruct what he did and it's going to be different than the original. It's kind of like the Avengers uh, JLA storyline 
when they finally printed it, it wasn't really the, the same one that we would have gotten in 1983 when Perez was first doing it. But, you know, I want to see it. I liked it. Um, like, I'm really good about, I can divorce continuities and I can divorce all of the, some people that are so hamstrung by continuity that everything has to fit. And, you know, this is a story and it's a nice story. And um, it's not, it's not what would happen because things are going to grow and change. So, you know, it's a nice slice of time. It's cool. And I really enjoyed it. I, I would like to see the end. I think it's really cool. I, I, I agree. I liked it a lot. I think uh, it's typical of Burns stories that it has, uh, he he swings for the fences. He's he's really, there's some high concept in here, but a lot of his stories always have some questions. So if you kind of question it, a little, you know, if you look at it too closely, it's like, well, this doesn't quite fit. That doesn't really take away from the story. And I think, I think Byrne really knows how to use Galactus because this, uh, to your point, uh, Kirk, he, if he pops up too often, then he's overused. And I think right. in this type of story where it's more cosmic and it's devoid of humans uh, or other sentient life forms, this is the kind of, uh, this is the playground you need to use him in. And I think right. that's what makes his story so good that uh, it's, it, he needs to be on a much higher level than street level stuff like FF and, uh, you know, uh, Spider-Man and things like that. He needs to be almost a separate um, storyline so I think right. in that case this is the, you know, I, I, I agree with John I wish I uh, you know that he could finish this and we could find out what what he was going for maybe he would tie up some of these questions we had um, but as it is it's, it's, it's a good story and the art's just beautiful well you know I did yeah. a, a search a google search to see if I could come up with the ending and I was rather surprised to see uh, Burns third alternative ending uh, that he had proposed. Did you guys find that? I didn't find a third. I found just the two that Brian uh, talked about. Oh, no. Where's There's a third, third one. Well, basically, when, when we get the last thing that was published was the, the Watcher, who looks a little disturbed, a little crazy. And then when we get to the tenth one, Burns says that uh, he just unzips his outfit and out steps the golden oldie. <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> it was Aunt May all the time. That's right. Uh -huh. And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> exactly. Well, in a, in, a, in a way, Nova is the golden oldie because she's 100 million years old. Well, cool. We got any uh, final, I mean, we've, like you said, Brian, we've, uh, we've hypothesized a lot. Um, but until we get the final story, you know, that's what all it's going to be, just a just a, a theory. But I think if... if if this is worth seeking out, if you're a Burn fan, you need to read this. I think if you're a Marvel fan, you need to read it. And if you just like a good uh, cosmic story, it's uh, it's worth seeking out too. And I don't think it's hard to find. We found it on a website that had them all published, didn't we, Brian? Yeah. Um, yeah. So and we'll we'll put that link in there so that that uh, others can go to it and see the pages. Yeah, it's not it's not really hard to find. So yeah, I, I recommend it for anybody who's interested in uh, either in Burn or Galactus or just this these bigger stories. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you um, when you were talking about how Burn was able to handle Galactus. I loved the whole trial storyline that he did in the Fantastic Four and kind of setting why Galactus is who he is and stuff like that. That was that was really impressive. So. Well, yeah. Burma's, Burma's one of those those creators that was able to grasp and relate high concept. Yeah. 
And, you know, not every writer could do that. And not every writer did that, especially when it came to Galactus. So we saw a lot of, you know, not, 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 not so wonderful renditions of him over the years. Um, but Byrne was able to actually, with the trial of, of Reed Richards, kind of distill something about Galactus that, that answered a lot of things. For instance, since the view of Galactus is a conceptual view where every person sees him as they expect him, that explains the big G that we saw the first time around, you know? <laughs> it's just, you know, the, the arrogance of humor. Humans expect Galactus to have a big G in his chest back in the 60s. And the, uh, mm -hmm. the no pants and short sleeves and it was summer you know yeah, it's true i'm sure new york can get hot well uh the next thing i see here now again we'll put links uh on uh the website if you want to take a look at those pages and uh we'll probably put in a link to burn robotics to uh show you where you can read where Burns talked about this in the past if you if you so want to see that kind of stuff we would like to hear what you think about um all of this and if you've got uh, different ideas and thoughts on it we'd like to to get those and we'll read them on air now we do have some feedback uh his name is bond jack bond <laughs> wait a and... second wait a second wait 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 what what what, what? it's email reading time <laughs> we need Farouk to uh, to uh, read that. I don't know if you guys watch BattleBots, but uh, he does a saying on the show where he says it's robot fighting time, and it's just he uh, does the the lead in to each fight very well. well <laughs> now, I was, go I was channeling um, Andy Leyland and uh, Steve oh. Lace group. I didn't know that. The Fantastic the Fantastic Cast. Yeah. The Fantastic Cast. They had always go. It's email reading time. I was from the thing. Is it? Uh, are they back? Is uh, no. no. Andy's doing Palace of Glittering Delights. Steve mm -hmm. is occasionally dropping a fantastic cast as he's able to put something out. But Palace uh, of Glittering Delights is simply the finest podcast on the internet. It's that, wonderful. That, that is my <laughs> opinion. I could I uh, never miss an episode, and Andy Leyland is just. Perfect in, it's one in of the his best, coverage. One of the best produced and written, frankly. That's mm -hmm. yeah. wonderful. So, yeah. what, what what do you have that's written in front of you? Bond, James, no. Jack, Jack Bond. Jack Jack Bond is a, he's a frequent uh, feedback provider for us, and he uh, is actually providing feedback for the crossover that Tim and I did with Back to the Bins, okay. where we covered the Avengers and the Fantastic Four annuals uh, that. Uh, if you you know, read those issues, you saw that the artwork had crossover pages, and uh, you got to see the pages of Burns' artwork done by two different inkers, uh, one being uh, Joe Sinat and the other being Kyle Baker. And um, but uh, the story was, of course, the uh, the story with the scrolls where they used that uh, what was that hyperwave bomb mm -hmm, that dumb. froze all the scrolls in whatever shape they happened to be in at the time. Anyway, uh, let me go ahead and read uh, Jack's uh, feelings. He goes, oh, yeah, I love this pair of annuals. Since I got the DVD ROMs Avengers and Fantastic Four, I've offloaded this, a stack of essentials and a lot of my floppies, but I kept those two. And I'm going to stop right there for just a second. Uh, you know, I've got the DVD ROMs of uh, Spider-Man and uh, I think the Avengers. Oh, and the, I, I do have the Fantastic Four, but... The, the thing is about those, those are skins of the physical issues 
that are not digital copies, meaning that they scanned whatever copy of the book they could get. So you're not always going to get the best quality from it, especially when you go back to the older issues from the 60s. So I, you know, for me, I'd be hanging on to the essentials unless I was really, really hurting for money. But that's just my thought. Uh, he goes on. I'm glad to hear the Avengers annual came out first. That's the way I encountered them. And I always felt guilty that I liked it better than Burns' home book, the FF. I'd attributed that to having read it first. Rereading, I still like it more. Maybe I'm just beguiled by biplane starfighters from the carrier shape like Zeppelin. I credit everything I claim to know about inking to a comparison of these pages. The only thing I know about coloring is that if the panel only shows a character's hands, the color should make it doubly sure that the gloves are the proper color of the character's costume. The writing is what I'm confident about. Pages of guest characters that don't feel like they're pushing the, the stars of the book aside. Then in the other book, the same pages feel the same way. The seed of these books may have been planted in the coordination for the Avengers issue Burn Drew, a non-crossover where they fought an invisible barrier while Nihilus was invading the Baxter building. But I think the spiritual seed can be seen back in Burn's story. On some form, a guy was saying how Thor should have been written with more awe than just as the team Brick. He brought up the time Manhattan Island was lifted into the sky, the ocean is going to rush in and then flood the traffic tunnels. Thor drops the crater and holds back the wall of water. Iron Man starts pulling the cars to safety. Inside his armor, he can't repress a shudder at being in the presence of a god. The form guy couldn't place it. It didn't feel like the Graviton story arc. I just had to say, believe it or not, it was in Fantastic Four, and it all came flooding back to him. Think about this. We can all picture a writer confident enough to write the thoughts of a guest star, we can picture a bad writer showing a guest star in awe of the writer's own character. But to show a guest star in awe of another guest star, as you say, that's not just writing the Fantastic Four, that's writing the Marvel Universe. Just for future shows, these annuals will go with, uh, go with the whiteout issue of Alpha Flight and all the splash page Hulk is experimental, or at least comics out of the ordinary. Next obvious one would be Fantastic Four 277, with two plots and the same scene changes happen to occur halfway down each page. I can think of the two other out-of-the-ordinary stories rather than just artwork, all the Doom issues of FF having none of the main characters of the book. That had been done before sometimes, accidentally. And FF 257, an all-subplot issue as admitted in his title, Fragment. Others are probably coming to your mind if you ever want to do an overview on experimental comics. That might be fun. Signed, Jack. Well, thanks, Jack. We really appreciate your uh, your your feedback there and your thoughts on all of that. Uh, what do you guys think? That was a good was, letter. Yes, yeah, so really well, good. Well thought out. I, I like his idea of doing a show on the experiment, but we already, we've done so many of his already, but you could almost, because we've done Alpha Flight, we've done The Hulk, uh, we've done these two, the... Uh, that could be a maybe the seeds for a future episode to cover the experimental or non-traditional format of the traditional stuff that Byrne has done. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that happened in that era towards the end of his Fantastic Four run, and of course that end of his Fantastic Four run did coincide with his Hulk run. Um, he was pretty much out of it when uh, he went to Superman at DC, and then when he came back and doing West Coast Avengers. So we weren't seeing so much experimental stuff there. Yeah. I can't think of that, side, yeah. 
sideways issue too, in the negative zone. Yeah, and again, all that was in the in the Fantastic Four and in the Hulk, where we saw the split pages or the sideways page, like you point out there. Um, I guess the most experimental thing was the all silent issue of Batman. Oh right, yeah. yeah, the many yeah. the many deaths of the Batman, which I I wouldn't mind us covering sometime in the near future. Yeah. And then we've got She-Hulk with all the black filler ink sliding to one side. That's that's a different animal, though. That's a you know that that's a breaking the fourth wall humor book. Well, you know, and and you bring up an interesting point because and and there's the the uh, most recent issue of Elseworlds ended on Friday with an extra page that was very meta and mm-hmm. had the involvement of John Byrne in it again. And we've seen John Byrne, you know, uh, you know, putting himself in the stories one way or another, sometimes just as a character that you see in the background, like an Iron Fist or X-Men, and then sometimes directly, you know, interfacing with the characters. In the trial of Reed Richards, we saw him mm-hmm. in there. And, of course, uh, in other, in, like in, in what we saw on Friday was just, you know, him... Uh, like erasing and redrawing kind of like the the Warner Brothers artist, you know, doing Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. But <laughs> there's, there's you know, po- possibly a thought of doing some of that, covering some of that uh, as as a full episode. Because there, there's a lot of interesting things in that where he's input himself into the story, much like Stan and Jack did back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the... Uh... It's not a burn issue, but what was the recent FF issue where they go to heaven or another dimension to to meet the creator or the co-creator that turns out to be Jack Kirby, and uh, mm-hmm. he leans over and erases the disfigured face of uh, Reed and corrects it for him? <laughs> who, was, who, was, who was the writer in that? Is that the Hickman run, or is that the... That's what I... I was going to say Hickman, I think but that I was Hickman know. did that. Well, there's a if you've ever if you've read uh, quietly and uh, Miller's, what was their first run on the? Uh... I'm not familiar with that at all. Anyway, there's a scene where they come up against a, a guy that's creating all of these villains, and they're they're almost analogs of the Avengers that the the team's fighting against. And at one point, when they come, when they come to the, they find the creator that's been creating these, these all these these um, characters. He looks like Jack Kirby. He's this kind of uh, wizened yeah. little guy with a with a cigar, and he's like, you know, I can keep creating these guys all day long. So they can basically come to a term to get him to stop doing it. But uh, and I'm sure people listening are screaming at me like the, the name of the the, the the book, and I can't think of the name of the book. <laughs> no, it, it's 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 totally lost my well, mind. If it's on the tip of your tongue listeners we want to hear you hear from you shoot us an email so that we can find out gotta get burned at gmail.com that's right we'll find us on facebook third degree burn yeah we've got a wonderful facebook group we've got a lot of members and we got people posting all sorts of interesting things in there so if you want to get in on the fun come and join us in our facebook group and, you know, maybe we'll even, spo- uh, not spoil, but uh, give you a few hints of what's coming up. I yeah. know Tim likes to throw those out every now and then. Tim yeah. does. Those are great. Yeah. That, that kind of keeps people. And this, when I, I threw the one up for this, people were like, I guess they weren't from like, what is this from? I'm like, it's the last Galactic story. <laughs> and some were like, oh, are they going to finish it? I was like, no, sorry. We're going to cover it. But 
Unfortunately, they're not going to finish it. But um, we should force Burns' hand. We should go ahead and and say, yeah, he is. He's going to finish. I don't. I don't want to make him do something he doesn't want to do. Right. Because I think he works his best when he does what he wants to do, and yep. we're seeing that right now, and it's really, really cool. I did have a question. I'm going to go back to the the story here and the artwork because there was something in there that um, did get my uh, attention here, and that was uh, the one. There was one image that just did not look like the rest of the images imagery there, and that was the one where he was traveling towards the um, the machine, and it looks like he'd used some sort of Photoshop or or something else to do a repeat of uh, of the pencils, but the lines were really really thick. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's in the uh, uh, the final chapter, right? A few pages before the end. Let's see. I'm looking at like chapter, was... yeah, chapter nine. It's actually the the second page of chapter nine. Yeah. And you know, you just see this, and it looks really, really thick lined, and he's like got massive duplicates of Galactus moving in one direction. And I just wonder how he's if he's using Photoshop or what he's using to uh, duplicate that, replicate well, that. Well, eighty five eighty five Photoshop was... probably wasn't strong enough <clears throat> to do that. I think they can. Was Photoshop available back when, when? When did this come out? Eighty-two, eighty-five. It's eighty-five. 85. Yeah, uh, Photoshop was around, but I don't think you you were doing this type mm. of work with Photoshop. I think you could do it more with just taking it and photocopy and cutting it and just think about this. Somebody just posted this on our Facebook page of the they were doing a series of burn covers, and he's got those two Spider-Man covers, one in black and one in red and blue, where he's kind of yeah. swinging and he's doing the same kind of effect. And it's probably a cut and paste kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. It, it had to because actually Photoshop did not uh, get released until 1990. So I think, of course, they're on version 22.1 right now. Wow. Uh, I, I want to bring up that the Authority is the comic book I was trying to think of. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. Started by it. yeah, it was started by uh, Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. And then Mark Millar and uh, quietly took over after that, and there that's when the kind of Jack Kirby kind of character was in there. Alrighty, well, I think we've beat this one to all the fun. Uh, what are we covering next time? I think we're going to revisit Elswin next time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're going to look at the next two chapters of Elswin that we haven't covered. Does that bring us seventeen and eighteen, or is that? Yes. Some previous ones. Okay. 17, 18. 17, 18. And of course, we got a lot of fun coming up in the next few weeks. I uh, might, might play a promo in here somewhere to, to lead towards that. Uh, the Mary Marvel Marching Society uh, for uh, from the Fire and Water Network. They're going to be covering Acts of Vengeance as part of JL May. Is that right? JL May? Because that, that's DC. <laughs> that's what they've done in the past. Yeah. But uh, we, we are uh, helping to participate, so we'll be covering the Burn West Coast Avengers and um, Wolverine Acts of Vengeance issues there. So uh, look for that coming up here in the next couple uh, weeks and months. Anybody got anything else they want to talk about? I was going to say, just have a good week and enjoy reading comics. Yeah, and don't forget to listen to our sister show. Is it Cocktails and Comics or Comics and Cocktails or... Comics and cocktails. We we've had uh, what three episodes done so far, at least by the time you listen to this. And uh, I've been enjoying you being on it. 
um, being nice and toasty because we record these typically on Sunday mornings. So uh, the the cocktails and comics we're doing at night. It's a dip in that different atmosphere. It's it's a looser format. It's it's not a kind of you know, not that we script this, but it's not as organized as this. It's just kind of a let's just talk about stuff. Yeah, we're not talking about burn, or we do bring them up from time to time, but it's not just a burn kind of thing mm, like this. It's anything. It's we would like to know though what you thought about um, you know our, this this episode and you know our, our recent afterburn episode. I really curious uh what anybody thought do they want us to look at stuff like that again are there other subjects beyond what we've been covering lately that you'd like us to do other than just the standard book coverage please let us know as kirk had said earlier gotta get burned at gmail.com is our email address and of course you can always find us on facebook and as always we beg we plead we implore you to leave us a nice five-star review at Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. That gives us exposure so that other people will finally hear about us. And we need more people to hear about us because, you know, we, we like to hear about ourselves. Because we can't keep inviting our listeners on the show. This is true. <laughs> this is true. It's, I, it's like that, that scene in the movie um, uh, John Cusack, now also in High Fidelity. He goes, it's like, I can't fire them. You know, I, I, I asked for a couple part-time guys three years ago, and they just started coming every, every day. day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind. It's been a lot of fun. It and actually has. free comic books out of the deal, too, from David, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> that was nice. He, yeah. All right. Well, who's going to take us out? I've been talking too much. I'll take us out. Excellent. Okay. Well, for Third Degree Burn, I would like to thank everybody for downloading and listening. I know we can be sometimes a little long-winded, but I think we we you know we we provide a uh, important service to anybody who's interested in, in John Byrne. So listening to this while they're driving in their car, they're, they're 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 on these long road trips. And hey, hey, don't miss the Buckies. Yeah, we're uh, they get a great barbecue there. Oh, they do. Uh, yeah. And uh, my wife's and uh, loves their uh, Cajun peanuts. So for Third Degree Burn, I am Tim Elliott. I'm, I'm John Hyatt. I want to be Galactus Herald. <laughs> okay, Golden Oldie, you can put on the, the spandex now. I'm Kirk Greenfield. Have a nice day. Here's the top search result. What was that? <laughs> Whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown, and things seem hard or tough, and people are stupid, obnoxious, or daft. And you feel that you've had quite enough Just remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving And revolving at 900 miles an hour That's orbiting at 90 miles a second So it's reckoned a sun that is the source of all our power the sun and you and me and all the stars that we can see are moving at a million miles a day in an outer spiral arm at 40,000 miles an hour of the galaxy we call the Milky Way. Our galaxy itself contains a hundred billion stars it's a hundred thousand light years side to side It bulges in the middle, sixteen thousand light years thick But out by us it's just three thousand light years wide 
We're 30,000 light years from galactic central point. We go round every 200 million years. And our galaxy is only one of millions of billions in this amazing and expanding universe. on expanding and expanding in all of the directions it can whiz as fast as it can go at the speed of light you know 12 million miles a minute and that's the fastest speed there is so remember when you're feeling very small and insecure how amazingly unlikely is your birth and pray that there's intelligent life somewhere up in space cause there's bugger all down here on earth Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men... Just want to watch the world burn. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.